Hi, beauties. This is the Beyond Beauty Project with your host, Bridget Burrick-Brown, the show that's redefining the meaning of beauty. Enjoy, and we're so grateful to have you part of the conversation. Hi, beauties. Welcome back. I am your host, Bridget Burrick-Brown, and this is Season 3, Episode 5 with Brittany Worley. Brittany is a registered dietitian and certified specialist in sports dietetics. Brittany specializes in helping active women and female athletes with amenorrhea. Amenorrhea is when you're missing your menstrual cycles, and she helps them to transform their relationship with food and their bodies. In this episode, we discuss her passion for helping high performers and active women become more balanced with food and nutrition, the connection between hormone dysregulation and clean eating over exercising, and debunking diet culture so that you don't have all the noise from media, societal, body pressures, and health misinformation when you're making choices for your body. We talked about navigating the importance of rest in a society that holds strong value to productivity and how societal beauty standards have been the perfect grounds for glamorizing diet and exercise trends. We talked about being more mindful of our social media usage and our feed curations and the importance of listening to our body's cues and figuring out what nourishing foods and exercises make our bodies feel the best. There's so much packed in this episode. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I am your host, Bridget Burrick-Brown, and today I'm here with Brittany Worley from Fueled and Well. How are you today, Brittany? Thanks for being here. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. The sun I'm super is excited shining. to talk about this. I know, me too. I'm like, I love how niche you are in the space. Mm-hmm. So I feel like really diving into that and just like getting down to the details and nitty gritty on it is gonna be it's gonna be good today. So I'm excited to learn from you. I would love to start just like why did you start fueled and well and why are you passionate about helping these athletes or, you know, people that are very active in their life become more balanced with food and nutrition? Yeah. So I, um, did nutrition as like a second career. So I shouldn't say second career, but like second academic path. And I genuinely got into it because like I had really disordered habits around food and exercise. And I remember thinking the more I can learn, like the healthier I can be, like I can like perfect this. And it wasn't till I was going through like my clinicals, which is like right at the end of our schooling to become dietitians that I realized like, oh, this is making me less healthy. Like this is affecting my life in a lot of ways that it shouldn't. Um, and so I spent a few years when I was early in the field in collegiate athletics and working with like really high performing athletes. And I just kept seeing like the same issues of like really afraid to go off the path of what they were comfortable eating, like so much fear around food and bodies, like to the point where again, it was hindering them. Like it had hindered me. Yeah. Um, And as I started kind of searching around, like how could I impact these types of women more directly? There aren't a lot of jobs that are like 
we're looking for a dietitian who wants to work with, you know, high performers and active women and disordered eating and like that niche. So I was like, I guess I yeah. have to make it. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you feel like you can sort of get stuck or in your head because you don't know enough, like, you know, just enough, but not enough to sort of say like, there's a different way. Yeah. I would say, um, I knew like enough to be dangerous with myself early on. And I think I see that's where a lot of my clients are, right. They have just enough information on like what the perfect way to eat is, but they're only scratching the surface. And it's not until the other shoe drops in some way or another that they realize like, Oh, I've got like the facade of being the healthy one in my friend group or the fit one, but really like the foundation is cracked. And when I finally noticed that about myself is when I got so much more passionate about how could this be the way I help people instead of maybe like the more typical jobs dietitians have. So what was the thing that you noticed? Like, what was the thing that cracked the surface for you to say like, okay, I need to look at things a different way. Yeah. So for me, it's funny because a lot of my clients, it's more of like a physical indicator, right? They miss their period or they're trying to get pregnant now and they can't, or like maybe some of my athletes, they're constantly injured. But for me, it was actually like a mental kind of um, shift. Mm. I was, I had just met this guy and we were going to have to date very long distance, like plane flights away while I did my year of clinicals, which is an unpaid full-time internship. So I was going to be working full-time, not getting paid, living super far from this guy that I was like pretty certain was a good fit for me. And I realized like I'm spending probably half my waking hours thinking about food, meal prepping, in the gym for multiple hours Mm. a day, stressing. Like it was, I realized like, oh, I don't have the bandwidth to sustain like these really important career aspirations, this crazy health setup I've got going on and this new relationship. And that guy's Mm. now my husband. So like, I'm really glad that I, (laughs) that I let that. that obsession go so I could make room for something more important. But that was like wow. the, the gut check for me. Did you say to yourself, like, there has to be an easier way? Like, I like there has to be a way for me not to spend so much time and like mental focus. Yeah. Yeah. I got to a point where I was like, okay, clearly I'm overcomplicating this and I'm obsessing about it. And if yes. I feel like that, like, how is it actually making my life better? Or like, is it even making me physically healthier? Spoiler alert. It was not, it just wasn't super apparent to me yet. Um, yeah, yeah, it It can, it can be a real time suck in all the ways. Absolutely. Like, I don't know how I was doing everything I did when I was that like obsessive. It's, it's wild. Like how much time my clients will spend on it too, when I first meet with them. So yeah. Yep. And it doesn't yeah. have to be that way. You can be so balanced, so healthy, feel so good. And it doesn't have to take up hours a day. Yeah. I love that. Okay. We're going to talk about that a lot. I want to sort of start today diving into a bit of the problem, which we just mm-hmm. talked about a little bit, and then we will go into the the solution just so everybody knows. Curious your thoughts. Why do you think and when do you think this starts like this hyper focus on our looks and 
needing to look a certain way? Where does it come from? Yeah. So when we're thinking in particular about like the work I do, which is going to be more around like the hyper-focus on bodies, right. And like size and all of that, it can start really, really young. Like kids sometimes at the doctor get put on diets as young as like four, right? Like it's not uncommon for this to permeate like pretty much immediately like that we're able to be cognizant of it. Um, there's like BMI report cards in school, hearing Mm. parents talk about their bodies in a negative light, even if they're not saying anything to you yet. And then even just thinking too, about like how early like social media usage or talking about weight and bodies, like on a sports team can start. There's so many opportunities for it to kind of that seed to get planted pretty early. And then we aren't getting a lot of counter messaging, right? So it may not become a problem really early on in childhood, but it definitely can be kind of started then. And then we go through our teen years having that reinforced by social media and like just the way we interact with the world and what we see on TV. And we're not getting the counter messaging that like, Bodies can look different. Your body can change and that's okay. And so it just grows and grows over time. Yeah. Do you think the counter messaging is getting louder right now? I do. Um, I think sometimes I think it's louder than it is because I've put myself in a little bit of a bubble with what I do for work, right? Um, But I, I do. I'm interested to see, like, do you think so? I think yes, in the way of body diversity and advertising, there's more colors, there's some more shapes, mm-hmm. but I still think there's this, I still think thin is very, like everybody wants to be thin, but now we just have to have like the perfect curves. And I think it's packaged differently. I agree. And I think a lot of times too, I don't know if you see this, it's packaged as like, Thin isn't as important, but like you need to be healthy. So that's where my clients will get stuck is they're like, okay, so then clean eating and exercising a ton and like all those things are okay as long as I'm not obsessing over the scale, right? And I'm like, I'm still going to do a lot of the same negative things to your body. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's go into that a little bit more. The sort of the societal beauty standards and this pressure for our bodies to look a certain way have been like the perfect grounds for glamorizing diets and exercise trends, all sort of promising us that we'll feel better, we'll be happier, we'll find the love of our life. Tell me your (laughs) thoughts on these. (laughs) Yes. I think this is one of the things that like gets me the most about the diet and wellness culture because it's so believable, right? All those stories that you're being sold but it's also like so unfounded in people's experiences. I can't tell Mm. you how many clients I've had who are like at my lowest weight, I was the least happy with my body. Like I saw the most problems, like my relationships were the worst. It's not like dieting or, you know, finding the perfect fitness routine, or even like on the side of what you do, like more on that, like like beauty side of things, just because we figure that out in quotes does not mean our life gets exponentially better. We just keep getting sucked into that narrative. It's a really easy way for all these different companies to make money. And the big thing I see with my clients is like, 
it's never enough. So you get to that goal weight and then you're like, could I lose five more pounds? Or you Mm -hmm. get to that goal weight and you think, okay, now I have to hang on to this for dear life. Like it doesn't actually give us the, the high or the release or the perfect life that we think it's going to. It kind of keeps us trapped in that cycle more than anything. It keeps us controlled. Yes, absolutely. It does. It keeps from outside things. Right. It keeps us focused on those outside things instead of maybe what we're really passionate about or bigger issues or just like how we would like to live our lives if we weren't so aware of our bodies because we're made hyper aware of our bodies all the time. Yep. I mean, just think of the things we miss out on. Yeah. Like you said, you're spending so much time on this like fitness, health, wellness routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and just think of the things you miss out on when you spend that much time on it, or you don't go to an event because you don't feel good that day and you still need to lose five pounds to be able to go to that event, you know? Yeah. Or cause you don't yeah. know what food they're going to serve there or because it conflicts with the workout class that you always go to, like whatever it is, it's, we just keep ourselves so small and so focused on these things that don't actually make most of us happier. So do you feel like with diet trends, we should just ignore them completely? Pretty much. Um, I, what I would say is, and I know we'll probably talk about this like near the end too, but what's going to serve you so much better and keep you out of kind of like that, like rat race, like hamster wheel mentality is learning how to reconnect to your body and figure out what makes you feel good. And then Mm -hmm. when you see that newest trend come up, you can see it for what it is, which is like literally noise or marketing and be like, okay, fine. Like I, I can be like, you know, my interest can be peaked for 30 seconds because all my friends are talking about it. But like, I know the last time I did something low carb, I felt like trash. So we're not going there. Yes. Um, so really reconnecting to your body and what feels good for you is going to be so much easier and so much more productive in the long term. I love you saying, just think of it as noise or marketing. Because it is. Because it is. <laughs> it is. It really is. Okay. Let's talk about um, clean eating or very rigid exercise routines um, and how they're, they can cause hormonal disturbances. I know a lot of friends that I've had that, you know, haven't had their period for years or it took a really long time to get it again. Um, and it can almost be normalized as eh, it's just it's just the way it is. Tell us why that could be like a a warning sign or something to sort of notice. Yeah. So I see this so, so often with clients, right? They're really active. Maybe they're a runner or they used to be an athlete in college, or they've just like fallen in love with these like group workout classes and they're going twice a day. And they also prescribe to more of that like clean eating mentality. It becomes a perfect storm for your body's like control systems to get kind of out of whack because we're not meant to push our bodies that hard 24 seven. And so one of the really common reasons, like when you mentioned maybe a friend you've had whose period is missing, that's one of the like pretty common red flags that we see. And the way that develops is you have all these different control systems in your body. But one that's really connected to this is the hypothalamus, which like takes in information and then also sends out information in terms of 
hormonal balance. And so there are a lot of different things about our lifestyle that can set off the alarm system in the hypothalamus, anything from low fat to like overall too few calories to high stress and even intense workouts because they produce some of those stress responses too. All those things can make your hypothalamus take a step back and be like, whoa, 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 something is wrong. We probably don't need to be spending all of this effort on creating these reproductive hormones because we wouldn't be able to sustain a pregnancy right now anyway. So it starts to shut down those reproductive systems along with other body systems too. But yeah, so that's how like that clean eating and like over-exercising trend that you go on can actually be connected to this whole domino effect with your hormones, basically like dysregulating and it can get to the point, it doesn't get to the point with everyone, but it can get to the point where your body's like, okay, we're not going to have a cycle every month because why would we, right? Like we don't have the energy for this. We don't have the resources. Your body doesn't basically feel safe enough to do it. Wow. It doesn't have enough energy left. No, it's like, how would I grow a human right now if I were to use this cycle to get pregnant, right? Like that's, it wouldn't be good. So yeah, there's other things that will get downregulated as well, but that's a really common one. And it's also interesting how you said it can be caused from like too low of calories, too low of fats, yeah. um, and also just stress, like the hyper focus on just having to eat clean or do these exercises. Yeah. So there's actually studies that show women who frequently do high intensity exercise have a rise in their cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone, but they've seen really comparable rises in cortisol with just like moderate intensity exercise. So like not even anything that crazy when there's stress coupled with it, when there's mental stress as well. Mm -hmm. And someone when, okay, sorry. I'll, yeah, I'll say it again. Say that again. Sorry. Yeah. So frequent high intensity exercise is like very understood to raise your cortisol levels. Like people in the field accept that now, but there's also evidence that shows some moderate exercise plus mental stress Mm -hmm. or really high mental stress, even without the exercise routine can raise cortisol. So totally stress in the mental or physical sphere is going to have a really similar outcome on your body's response. And high cortisol levels disrupt Mm -hmm. your hormones. Exactly. Um, typically when cortisol is high, that means estrogen is being pushed lower and lower in particular. And once that one's pushed lower, that changes your whole cycle. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's like such an intricate balance. Totally. It's interesting because when I was sort of starting my journey to heal my disordered eating and exercise and orthorexia, I guess, um, I would just go on these long walks and I ended up getting in like I guess, really good shape or the shape I wanted to be in at that time and very easily. And I wasn't overextending myself. And I remember thinking like, just going on these walks to, it was almost for my mental health, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, it was, yeah, I was like, okay, that's like a, I'm my own case study right now that you don't have to run, you know, numerous miles because I wasn't stressing myself out anymore. 
Exactly. Basically. It's I, I think the way like a lot of us look at health and wellness, especially at the beginning, when we first really start to get into it is like more is always better or cleaner is always better. Like we're always yeah. kind of like trying to like nickel and dime our routine. And it's like, Hey, maybe your body needs less high intensity exercise yeah. or more like opportunities to bring your stress level down. And maybe that will make your body feel comfortable enough to do what you want it to do or to stop feeling so run down all the time, you know, but we always just assume there's more I could do. No, it's so true. I remember when I first started going to my naturopath too, and I was having a lot of hormonal issues. I was going through some miscarriages and stuff, but, um, I remember her being like, no high intense exercise. You need to rest. Like, and I was like, what? Cause I was going to spin classes and, you know, dance classes. And I was just like, that's a tough one. But I, I slowly started listening to her. What do you think made it click for you when she said it? Cause at first you were like, <laughs> excuse me, but what helped it sink in? I think that I was so desperate that I tried it. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And I saw like my body did need rest. I needed a rest. And then when I went to do my high intensity, I could do it better as well. Yes, absolutely. That's always a really like significant sign too. I tell people if like you've been doing the same type of workout for a long time now, and it's still like more days than not feels incredibly difficult for you. That's not a sign that you need to go more. It's probably a sign you need to go less. Like your body's needing to recover better. Also for me now personally, and this is what I try to um, share with people is movement should feel nourishing. If it ever feels like punishment, you probably need to rest. Your body is telling you, It doesn't want to do this. So I feel like you, I mean, finding movement that you find fun is, is one way to do that. Yeah. If you're ever making yourself do a workout, you probably need to rest. Absolutely. I don't know how many times a day I say that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. So before we go into some more of the solution, I just curious, what are some of the biggest challenges you see when clients first come to you? Yeah. Like what's the first thing you're starting to kind of like peel back? I would say the very first thing is like rigidity in general, right? So mm. it shows up differently for all of us, but whether it's like I'm known as the fit friend in the friend group and I will not let that go. It's or, a big thing. Uh it's huge. I remember being that person. Or same, like same. I always get up at 4.30 a.m. so I can run my eight miles and I will not let that go. There's always like something that we're kind of clinging to because we're afraid if we don't do it, we're going to be healthy or we're going to gain weight or whatever it is. So usually just like some form of rigidity in their health approach is like the first thing we have to chip away at. And then there's there's also like- control. Yes, exactly. The control is like the name of the game with this stuff. Um, And I always tell people, I'm like, you cannot control and stress yourself into better health. Like we think Mm. we can because of the way we're marketed to, but genuinely like reconnecting with your body and taking a step back and evaluating from the inside out versus like the stuff you're seeing around you inward is going to be so much better for you. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Letting go of that control is huge. Um, 
things like fear of weight gain too is a really, really big one or like lack of other coping skills. Like if health or exercise or, you know, nutrition is like the only way that you cope with your stress. Then of course, when I say, Hey, we have to change it. Like you're going to freak out. It's, it's going to feel like an attack, you know? So those are probably like the biggest things I see. How do you help people take the next step, I guess, and like be okay. Like maybe they will gain a couple pounds or maybe they don't need to run eight miles every morning. Yeah. So the way that I help people start to pull out of that is we talk a lot in our initial sessions about like what their, their why is right. Not what they're afraid of happening or not like what routine they love the most right now, but like, what's your actual reason for carving out this time to work Mm. on your health? And if the why is not aligned with the behaviors that they have, then we can start to see that dissonance. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. So if your why is like, I want to be able to get my period back to get pregnant, the fear of weight gain can absolutely still be there. But if you have that bigger why that you're moving towards, you can start saying, okay, how can I eat differently to support this why? Or do I need more rest days to support this why? And yeah, that fear is still kind of hanging out because you've been stoking that fire for so, so long, but it Mm -hmm. isn't like your North star anymore where normally fear of weight gain or fear of their health deteriorating or the need for control is the North star when we first start working together. So we just have to like shift that focus, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Curious how you steer your clients away from like feeling like their worth is solely defined by, you know, their weight or what their body looks like. Um, the calories are eating. Yeah. So definitely like helping them to figure out some sort of why that is bigger than their appearance, um, is a big step. Another thing is for a lot of my clients, I'm encouraging them to be doing some sort of therapy in conjunction with our work because there's Mm. just so much rewiring that they can do if they're open to therapy. Um, And then we really do focus a lot on how do you want to feel in your body? Mm, I love that. And so, yeah, well, because if they've always been so focused, right, on I have to eat like the lowest calorie meal option I can find when they think back to that question in session of how do you want to feel in your body? It's not, Mm -hmm. I want to feel low energy and anxious. So the lowest calorie option on the menu might not be your correct choice. If it's, I want to feel energized. I want to like recover better from my workouts. I want to be able to not think about food as much, then pick something based on like what's going to better nourish you or what you're more excited to eat. Right. And it takes some practice, but going back to how you want to feel in your body and making your choices that way starts to take a lot of the anxiety and the obsession out of the behavior. It's great. You're really helping people connect to their bodies because I think that a lot of the diet culture just teaches us to look at ourselves from the outside or almost objectifying ourselves. We have to be inside of ourselves and how do we feel and what food on the menu is going to make us feel the best. Yes. It's not what the diet culture is telling us. 
No, it's not because I'm like, think about it. How can a CEO of a company that like lives a completely different life than you um, and has never lived a day in your body tell you like which food is going to make you feel the best? They can't. The only thing they're doing is giving you information about what they think is going to make you lose weight. So you want to keep investing in what they're giving you. That's the yeah. only thing they're thinking about. You're the one that actually lives in your body and knows what it feels like to choose that food or that workout or not. Do you think diet cultures primarily ran just by money fueled by money? I would say, um, a lot of like weight stigma and a lot of profit are like the two big things. It's interesting. This girl that I know keep her anonymous, but she, the other day was like, so hungry. I'm so hungry. And I was like, eat something. Then she's like, well, no, but I'm going to dinner in two hours. And but she was like starving. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was not saying anything. And she's like, I don't understand why everyone else can like wait to eat. And I can't. And she was really punishing herself. And I oh. said, everybody's so different. You know, mm-hmm. I can't force myself to, to not eat and wait. And she was really thought something was wrong with her. And I was like, oh God, like this is, this is a real issue. So anyways, I love, I love what you're doing. How can you help, or how do you help um, people start nourishing their bodies without restriction and being obsessive about food? Do you do like, do you practice like intuitive eating with them? Okay. Yeah. So it will depend on where people are at when they find me. If we're working on like addressing a lot of hormonal imbalances and like absent periods and kind of the, the like higher level signs that your body is not well, we're not going to start with intuitive eating, but we're going to get there eventually. And then if people are just coming to me, like anxious about food, you know, uncomfortable in their body, like not sure how to eat without dieting, we can dive into intuitive eating day one. Um, and so there's tons of different principles under kind of that approach, but the big ones really are like debunking all of the diet culture so that you don't have that noise when you're making your choices, figuring out how you want your body to feel and how food actually plays a role instead of just how am I going to control my food? Um, having like that really solid why again, that we're talking about that's independent of like what we're told should be our why, which is basically always like weight loss or body change. It's like, what else is there? How we look really? Yes. It's like, what else is there that you're really wanting outside of how you look, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, that one is going to change throughout your life. There is nothing you can do about that one. Yeah. So let's figure out how you want to feel or what other things we want your health to support you in. And we start working there. Um, And the other thing I do a lot with clients in terms of helping them nourish their bodies without the obsession is just a lot of like um, educating, or I guess like uneducating because there's so much misinformation out there, right? This ingredient's going to make me sick, or I can't have this, or I'm intolerant to X, Y, Z because of this one test that I took online. It's like, let's like, again, clear out that noise and that clutter so that this doesn't feel so complicated and anxiety driven. I love that. There is so much of that going around right now. I can't drink milk or I can't have gluten or I can't, you know, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like self like diagnosed. Yeah. 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 I love, I just love the whole like clearing the noise. There's so much noise in it. 
Um, how do you help them find like nourishing movements without restricting or being rigid? Yeah. So a lot of times, um, again, and this would be for somebody maybe where like they don't need something really prescriptive with their exercise because we're not working on like significant health issues or an eating disorder or absent periods. But for anyone else, the way I help them kind of figure out what nourishing exercise is going to look like for them is I always encourage them to vary like when they're exercising, if they can. So if currently the thing they're controlling is like, I have to work out at 5.00 AM every day, there's likely only so much joy you're going to get from something that strict. And so, okay, maybe can we do three days a week early, but then that day that you get off work earlier or that your kids have sports and you have a couple hours before you have to bring them home, could we work in something different? Right. Mm -hmm. So even just looking at like little ways to crack the surface of that control can be a really easy way for some enjoyment to get in. And then I always encourage people to just explore different exercise options. I mean, as simple as that is, if you've been running for six years as your primary form of exercise, because when you were in college, you heard that like running was the best way to burn calories. How do you even know if you would like weightlifting or yoga or Or going on walks or dance or right. Like you really don't know. You're just assuming that what you have is what works. And so you're going to stay there. So yeah, just looking for different ways to vary it is a good first step. And then how do you talk about, cause I'm sure there's a fine line of like, you know, they say like working out five days a week keeps you healthy. So where's Mm -hmm. the fine line of like being healthy, you know, because is that getting, I, I would assume that's just getting in tune with what your body needs too, right? Yes. So what I always tell people is like, if you see, you know, five fruits and vegetables a day or five like exercise, like um, sessions, 30 minutes each a week or whatever, yep. it is, anytime you see those one. things, yeah, those are prescriptive, like population level, like the, you know, the big organizations that we have have to set some kind of guidelines, right. For like what healthy looks like, but within that there's so much nuance. So like, if you've got a really stressful week with work, you're not sleeping enough. You're not maybe eating enough, or you're running on a ton of caffeine. I'm probably going to say like, do less physical activity that week, do something that restores you and doesn't add to what your body has to adapt to that week. Right. And then there might be weeks where you're like, I feel fantastic. I have so much energy. Great. Go on that long run. Right. That those guidelines that you see are for populations, not for individual people. And they're always just a starting point. Do you often see that people need much more rest than than they're giving themselves? I feel like we just live in a society that needs rest. (laughs) Yeah. I, I really think that like I used to swear that I felt my best off six hours of sleep. I didn't. That was just the amount of time I had to like get all my crazy things that I was doing done. I think a lot of us underestimate how much rest our bodies need or even our minds need. Mm -hmm. Um, And starting to just like play with what that might look like is sometimes like scary in a society that values productivity so much, but like you can't be your most productive anyway if you're not rested no matter how good you think you are at running off of three coffees a day or five hours of sleep, like it's not truly your best anyway, if that's what you really care about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
And I feel like rest, you know, helps balance our hormones and yes. does all the things that we're count we we think we're being active and healthy and clean eating, but we're disrupting our hormones. And if we just rested, we could feel a lot better sometimes, but we don't allow ourselves the space for that. Yeah. Well, because it's not, it's not glamorized like clean eating or taking two workout classes a day or, you know, whatever it, it's not, the rest piece is not glamorized. Like the going really, really hard on those health behaviors piece is, but we need both. Why do you think it's so glamorized? I think, I mean, if I had to guess, I feel like our society is just so much about like, what can you achieve, right? Whether it's in your career or with like from a financial aspect mm. or whatever it is, like we're so like the keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like, of course I should be doing more and I should be eating healthier and I should be working out harder. Like rest would be the opposite mm. of chasing that goal. When in reality, it's like, you need that balance or eventually your body is going to tell you no, or your mental health is going to tell you yeah, no. one, yeah. or, one or the other. I love your theme that you keep saying, like, we think we need to do more yeah. and we don't always, it's like, what can you take away or what can you, yeah, do a little bit less of. We yeah. always, we do live in a world that we think we need to do more all the time. We it's don't, exhausting. we're, we're okay. <laughs> we're enough. Um, so what are some of the ways you help your clients, I guess, appreciate their bodies regardless of what they look like? Yeah. So this one can take some time for sure, because a lot of us have spent like pretty much our whole lives building this narrative of like, my worth is in how I look or, you know, my value is in being like the thin friend or the, you know, the daughter who's in shape or whatever it is. Yeah. So it does take time. I want to preface that it's not, it's not overnight. Um, but in terms of like some actionable things that people can do, um, if you can be more mindful about your social media usage, Like Mm -hmm. that one feels, I know a lot of times people are like, yeah, yeah, I know, but like it's everywhere. But if you can curate your social media so that you're seeing bodies that look different and you're Mm. just seeing less of that content, that's like, you know, people glamorizing their fitness routine and showing you their body all the time, it can be a little bit less front of mind. Or retouching or filtering. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll talk about that when I'm on your show, I'm sure. (laughs) Yes. I cannot wait to pick your brain on that. Even if they're a friend though, right? If their content's really triggering and it's causing a lot of body comparison, you can always mute their stuff. Like if you have to like protect yourself first. Um, I do a lot of work with my clients on like clothing too. So like closet cleanouts, how to evaluate when something needs to go, because like, I can't tell you how I probably held on to a pair of like high school shorts, like jean shorts until I was like 26. And they would just sit in my closet. And every summer I'd be like, is this the year I wear them? No, it's not. I'm 26. Like my body's totally different. And that's intentional, right? Like it's so, it's so mm. funny. I just had a huge jean clean out and my, my April newsletter, I write about it. I'm like going to post a reel about it. I was like, why am I like, one day I was like, every time I go in my closet every day, 
So every day I look at jeans that make me feel like I need to be something that I'm not and yes. that I'm not worthy enough and just, just making me feel shameful about myself. And I was like, that's it. I went in one day and I was like, I'm done. It's just, I, I first of all, I had way too many jeans, but, um, <laughs> and I'm just like, done. I want clothes that make me feel good about myself. Yes. And I deserve that. I don't Absolutely. need gold jeans in my, in my closet. No, no. So I love that. Okay. What else do you do? I love these tips. Yeah. Um, so another one that we can do is like working on reducing body checking. So that might yep. not be something like your audience, maybe they're familiar with or not, but like totally. the idea of body checking is any behavior that you're doing that helps you to, or that is a tool for you to evaluate is my body different than yesterday. So whether that's when you first get up in the morning and you like lift up your shirt and you check like your stomach in the mirror, can I see my abs today? Or putting mm. on that pair of jeans once every couple of weeks to see if they're closer to fitting, whatever it is for you, trying to just identify those things and make them harder to access, like getting rid of your scale or like yep. putting those jeans in the attic. And like, if they fit me next year, great. And if they don't, this is part of my donation pile. Like just figuring out how to make those um, current body checks you're doing less accessible. And then over time you start to forget about them, but it takes a little bit of repetition. So in the meantime, yep. making them harder to access is really good. Yeah. Getting out of the mirror. Yeah. Like get yep. out of the mirror. You don't need to stare at yourself that nope. long. We have make one full sure length look- mirror to make sure, you know, nothing's like tucked into something. It should be- okay. And move on. That's that. Yep. So if somebody is really struggling with like separating their worth from their appearance or their body, um, there's, um, a group, uh, or there's two women, Lindsay and Lexi kite, um, more than a body. I think you might've had done an interview with them, right? Yep. Yeah. Lexi on. Yeah. Their work is, is so, so good. So if people haven't listened to your old episode or if they haven't grabbed their book, um, that one helped me a lot to wrap my head around this concept of like what they always say is your body is, um, more an instrument, not an ornament, right? Yeah. So. You're more than your body. Yes. A hundred percent. So, yeah. and it's a hard one and it takes time, but surrounding yourself with good resources like that and adjusting your environment as best you can, it will start to sink in. Yeah. And really start thinking about like what our bodies do for us. We're so, we don't stop and think about that enough, you know, Mm -hmm. or I think it's good to have goals still even around fitness, but like, maybe like my goal right now is always to like, feel like my lungs are getting stronger and that I'm getting physically stronger. Like my daughter's eight. And I'm, I said to myself, I will carry her (laughs) until I can't. (laughs) And like, so I'm always like, that's my goal. Like that's my motivation. Um, so I think just being appreciative of what our bodies do for us, they mm-hmm. what they do for us, because it's yeah. pretty remarkable too. It's wild. If um, I have probably seen the most change in my mindset around that now being pregnant, I'm like, I am still like doing yeah. all these things I used to do and growing a person from scratch. Oh like my how insane. And to think I used to be mad at my body because like, I didn't look an exactly specific way. Like someone I saw who online, who was probably retouched. It's like yeah. so trivial. And I understand being stuck in it. Cause I was there too. But like, yeah, when you step back and look at what our bodies really do for us, it's incredible. We don't give them enough credit. We don't. 
Oh, I love that. I know pregnancy can really make you see your body for all the magnificent things it does. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Ways that you can incorporate more balance, um, rests, like we've been talking about without feeling guilty. How do you get rid of the guilt? Yeah. I would say it comes with repetition and it comes with also reminding yourself how these, like how rest or these other changes you're making are connected back to that bigger picture, right? So if your goal is that you want your life to feel more calm or you want your body to be healthy enough to sustain a pregnancy. And right now you've run it into the ground. Like those are important steps to be taking like rest days or sleeping in on a weekend or just like taking an hour to breathe in between meetings and instead of getting a million things done and stressing yourself out, like really go back to that big picture and then also giving yourself time. Cause if you are a high achiever and you've always valued productivity, it's not going to change overnight and don't expect it to go away either. Right? Like I still have some of that. It just doesn't totally run my life anymore or like cause me to hurt my physical or mental health to get it done. Yeah. You know, I think it's being willing to try something different. Yeah, Be willing to try something different, try it a different way. And then when you hopefully see that maybe it works for you, it is the practice. Like you said, the repetition. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Like a little bit of a leap of faith initially. Like, yeah, let's just see if taking this hour to de-stress actually de-stresses me instead of what I normally do. And if it does, then great. I can keep implementing that. If, you know, for those who have listened through this whole conversation, they've gotten this thread already, but like, if nothing else, I hope listeners just take away, like you genuinely know your body best. And as you block out that noise, things will feel easier. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed by your health approach right now or everything you see out there that you think you should be doing, like tuning out the noise and tuning back into your body is, it's hard if you haven't done it in a long time, but then once you do it, it's so much easier and so much support, so so much more supportive of your health. Do you feel like if, you feel really confused about your wellness or nutrition Mm -hmm. or exercise, maybe that is a red flag because it doesn't need to be so confusing, right? Yes. And obviously there are times, right? Like people with certain chronic illnesses, like there may be times where you are kind of chasing things and really feeling like you don't have all your information yet. But for most people, we have too much information about our health or too much misinformation about health. Um, yeah. So yeah, usually if you feel confused and overwhelmed, it's a sign that you've probably dug a little bit too far into it, or you've believed a little bit too much information that people online have said and kind of coming back to the basics can really mm-hmm. help. Obviously mm-hmm. there's those caveats. Okay. I want to finish with my question. I ask every guest Yeah. and it is how you would define beauty. Yeah. I would define beauty as taking care of your physical and your mental wellness in a way that allows you to have the energy and the confidence to be like fully you, nobody else. Oh, I love that. Fully authentic. 
Mm-hmm. That took me years. <laughs> Fully authentic you walking around. Girl, I know I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal, right? It is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Tell everybody where they can find you so they can keep in touch. Yeah. So um, my website is fueled and well. Um, I have, you know, like email newsletters that I'll send out occasionally and things just as like, like what you said with the, you know, you cleaned out the closet with the jeans and it's like, that's perfect to talk about for April because somebody needs that. Right. Yes. They they can find me there. Um, my handle on Instagram, we just recently switched over to, um, period recovery dietitian, but we can link that in the show notes just because we were doing so much of it with clients already that I was like, let's just narrow down, but we still talk so much about, you know, general hormone health, intuitive eating, body image, like it's all still there. It's just easier for people to search for us now. Um, okay. Yeah. Those are the two main places I hang out and there's ways to contact me on my website. If people ever have any questions, want to collaborate, want to work together. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me and for such thoughtful questions. Like I loved that conversation. It was great. Oh, okay. Awesome. I love that. Okay. Thank you. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining another Beyond Beauty Project conversation. Let's continue to support each other with kindness, empowered voices, and self-love. Visit us at www.beyondbeautyproject.com where you can find all of our socials. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And listen, Bridget would love to hear from you. Don't be shy. So send us a DM or an email with your thoughts and what you want to hear about. See you beauties next time. This podcast episode is designed to be for informational and discussion purposes only. I am not a doctor and I'm not trained as a medical provider or counselor. I do not provide medical care or attempt to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical ailment or any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition on this podcast. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding your personal medical condition. Do not disregard recommended medical advice or treatment or delay in seeking professional medical advice because of information or content obtained from this podcast. If you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, please contact your own healthcare provider promptly. For urgent medical needs, please contact your healthcare provider or call 911 immediately.